Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Self Published Wrong Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea Pearson, and I'm joined today by your, by your husband. <laughs> Hi, I'm Nolan. <laughs> no comment on the your husband thing. <laughs> let it slide. <laughs> Just let it slide. Let them believe that they're married to you. <laughs> We're both pretty tired. I'm actually very nauseated right now. It kind of bites because I had a break for a couple of days last week, but starting on Saturday and Friday, it just started getting worse and worse until Sunday and Monday was back to my normal gross, awful stuff. So I really hope to have another break soon. Going to keep this episode shorter than an hour like we've been aiming. We've, I'd like to keep it around 30 minutes because that's about where we want our episodes to be right now. And if we go a little under or a little over, I apologize for that ahead of time. <laughs> anyway, how is the um, arting going and all that lately? Nowhere. Yeah. You've gotten, you've been working on cards. Is that what you've been working on for a project that your brother's running? Uh, yeah. Um, he's got sidetracked, so I'm uh, <laughs> not doing anything. <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you both have kids and you both have jobs and things going on in life, right? Yeah. We have a new Patreon supporter. His name is Tony. Thank you, Tony, for supporting. And he actually supported us uh, $2 above, no, $3 above what we asked for per month, which I thought was pretty cool. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we appreciate that. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, go to patreon.com forward slash strong. And I'm going to tell you right now that we are hoping to get new microphones soon because I know that this microphone picks up mouth noises and I spend an hour, no, no, I spend three times the length of the podcast trying to edit out the, edit out the mouth noises and I don't have the time to do that anymore. So I'm going to see if I can get away without, I hate mouth noises though. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners do too, but anyway, go support us so we can get a new microphone. <laughs> Please. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so any updates on, since this is our marketing episode, this is when we talk about ads and things like that. Updates on Amazon ads? Uh, they're garbage. Are they? They are absolute trash. Um, we have had downloads result from them, just not as much as before, I would say, right? The, yeah, they changed everything, and now it sucks. So, I mean, it's worse. It's a downgrade, in my mm -hmm. opinion. They didn't listen to our podcast. So they did not, no. They didn't ask for my uh, knowledge. Yeah, they weren't like Jurassic opinion? World 2. No, which everyone's complaint was my complaint. Yeah. Not everyone, but I mean, when they're like, so this isn't Jurassic Park because <laughs> they're not at a park. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, once again, I beseech you, Amazon, if you want to actually make money, listen to me. <laughs> listen to everybody. Everybody's been talking about it. Yeah, because you're not actually listening to the people that are forking over $10,000 to you in no, ads. Kidding. Actually do it. I mean, actually try and listen to the people that use your platform and then change it to make them happy. This is what BookBub did. I mean, their ads are not as effective unless you put a whole lot of money into them. And they do a lot of... Anyway, they... they their they setup mean, is much nicer, though. Yes, it is it's, so much better. It's much easier to navigate. Um they're not as big of a platform as Amazon has. As Amazon. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get as much money out of it if mm -hmm. you get successful. I'm not saying don't try them because they're actually easy to get into and yeah. inexpensive to start. Mm -hmm. um, so and their their feedback is immediate, like yeah, yeah. impressions and clicks. I can understand why Amazon's is not. There's too much data to crunch. Yeah. It takes time for it to stream in. But um, how to make ads is easier, I would say, and 
I don't know. I just like it better because you can duplicate things. I mean, it's just... Well, Amazon simplifies it by having you use the book cover. With BookBub and Facebook, you have to create an image. That is true. But everything else is easier. Like yeah. like making copies of ads and all you do is switch the author out. You're targeting or switch yeah. one thing out. You can't do that. Super easy. And yeah. it's just so much clunkier, mm-hmm. Amazon is. Mm-hmm. So much for being a tech giant. I, I think, I don't know, like, uh, what's his face? Jim Cookerel always says, he's like, if they wanted, they want you to spend a lot of money and not have results because then people will spend more money, you know? I would spend more money if I got some results. But it's I not know. even the results that are the problem. It's the interface. It's like how you do things, how you navigate, yeah. how you make the yeah, ads. Yeah, because we do get pages read. We do see re- we do see downloads from. I can get downloads. I, it's the rest of it. That's, a, you know. And garbage, yeah. The data's garbage. It's yeah. absolutely unreliable. Yep. Um, yeah, we'll have an ad working and we still never know which ad it is. And it's not, they didn't improve Yeah, that. you absolutely can't rely on uh, Amazon's data, Mm-mm. which is like the number one thing they get out of you is your data. Yes. So they know who to sell to, but they don't let you use it at all. Yeah. And what's what really frustrates me is, I mean, well, doesn't I don't know. This frustrates some authors. They'll create one ad, and you can't do this. This platform does not work for one ad at a time. It works in massive quantities of ads. And so you do 10 ads at a time, and one of them will work, but Amazon doesn't tell you which one it is. Yeah, exactly. So one of my author friends does 300 ads and always has 300 ads running, and he's creating between 50 and 100 every day. And like you have to have big amounts of ads moving to make you know results and that's Nolan does between 10 and 15 a day and then you have a few days off and then you do 10 and 15 I schedule them out yeah which is something I do like you can have them start in the future (laughs) Um, so they're always cycling in and out Um, yeah because there's been a few times where we've gotten sidetracked and they've gone down and then we had a dead dead spot in our royalties. Yeah. Those are just, fun. We really love those. Yeah, and it takes time to get cycling back up again. Yeah. I mean, we don't usually see results for a couple of days after. Yeah. Um, so it takes time. Yep. So if you let it lapse, that sucks. You it does. Don't do it that. It does. Yeah, don't do that. Um, I think everybody's going to, though. We're all human. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, minimize. Yeah, minimize that. Um, especially since you can schedule them out in advance. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, before we went on vacation, like over the weekend, I made sure that we had them running. So they just started. Yeah. So Facebook ads, I've turned them all off since I've had morning sickness. I haven't been able to concentrate well enough. It requires data crunching, you know, and that requires a certain level of brain function that I have not been able to attain since morning sickness hit because I have to go through and okay, which ad was working, which, which ad copies working, which image was working, you know, and you know, which one was getting the most clicks and the most downloads because clicks don't mean anything if they're not downloading and you can actually monitor that better on Facebook, but then you can't pretty much anywhere else because you can use, you know, all right. Okay. So we need to go on. We've got a couple of questions that they're not technically really questions from Tony. Um, we'll talk about that in just a bit, but well, it's more like it, here's, he's in a certain mood or a certain place and he wants to get out of it. Yeah. So he says, how, how do you push through and finish revisions for a book you're sick of? And how do you know you're done revising? What are your immediate thoughts on those? Pick a different project for a while and then come back to it later. Mm-hmm. So he's got, he's, he's written several books. He's been revising them. He's, he's excited about one topic, the YA sci-fi that he's been working on, but he's stuck in the plot. And so he's not exactly sure how to push it forward. And, um, his, the one that he's been working on for a while is with his uh, writer critique group. Anyway. Um, so, okay. So he's got two projects. One he wants to work on and one he doesn't want to work on. 
Yeah. That happens. Yeah. Um, since the ones with the writer critique group, you might as well work on the sci-fi one. Yeah. You're stuck. Um, I, I can't really help too much because I don't know the specifics, but I would do what ifs. Do an option A, option B, and then... Mm-hmm. Uh, plot it out and see yeah. which one's more interesting to you. Yeah. And uh, Tony, if you're an outliner or a pantser, maybe switch things up a little bit. You know, throw something, throw a different a, a thing into the mix, something that you don't normally try, just to see if it will, you know, start you going. I know he says he does a lot of short stories, and he's won contests and awards for his his books, his stories, his books, and things like that. And so he's he's a good writer. Mm-hmm. And the thing about him, he's he's highly educated when it comes to publishing. He's textbook educated as much as we are. What he lacks is the, and this is kind of what I'm getting from talking to him, is the where the rubber meets the road experience. And so because he hasn't published, you know, so he's got a lot of writing experience but not publishing experience. And this, I mean, it kind of led me to believe he has a little bit of a fear of failure because worried that readers, like it's not perfect, that it's not ready. Okay, so... It's going to be your first published book. Yeah. It will not be your best book. No. Mm -mm. I think you need to understand that and be okay with it. I think that you want it to be magical and it's not. It is. It is. I mean, it was really exciting when we did, you know, keep keep playing it. I mean, it is. I think you'll feel better once you just publish it. Just put it out there. Yeah. It's not going to be perfect. It's not a great, the great American novel. Mm -hmm. It's not. You know, I don't know what to tell you. It's not it's not going to be your big hit. No, even the great American novel, quote unquote, has negative reviews and has hate. People hate them, you know. But you will have published a book. You will have gone through the process from the beginning to end. And then that will help you make your sci-fi book that you do care about better. Yeah. It really will. Um, you know, getting feedback, reviews, um, trying to push it out there, get advertising, getting reviews. Mm-hmm. You know, all that stuff, trying to rack up some notoriety with a book that you have. Mm -hmm. And if it's really that bad, you can always take it down. Yeah. Put it under a pen name or something and move on with it. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just one step. And the thing is, like, yeah, I mean, I rewrote and republished the the clinic series completely. And I lost all those original reviews, which were positive reviews. But if they'd been negative, you know, nobody, nobody even knows. Nobody would ever know. And the thing is, readers won't even remember your name until you've had three, until they've read three or four books. And so it's not going to be. Are, are these books in the same genre? Do you know? His books aren't. No. I'm saying that. So you may want to be a different pen name anyway. Yeah. Um, his one book, he's in um, a, a world of an author we know. I don't know if you remember from I my remember. email. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a different, totally different genre. It's kind of like a religious thriller a little bit. Uh-huh. And then the other one's a sci-fi, and those are very different genres. And so, I mean, that's another bit of advice. Like, pick a genre and stick to it, especially when you first start publishing, because readers won't skip from genre to genre, and you'll have to recreate yourself every book you publish. Yeah. Yeah, that's that sounds advice because it takes time to build a following, and most people don't jump the genres as much as authors want to. Yeah, I jump uh, genres a lot, and my readers don't. Yeah, I think authors are in love with books more than readers are sometimes. I think I agree with that. Um, just because you're like, wow, this fantasy book was really good, and this sci-fi book is really good, and this nonfiction book was really good, and then um, when it comes to the readers, normies are like. When's the next uh, Patricia Briggs book coming out? Mm-hmm. And then that's it. 
Yeah. So, yeah. So, or maybe like two or three authors that are their favorites, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. They don't. They're not. I mean, there is a dedicated following that is looking for authors to read all the time that are voracious. Yeah. But your average schmo guy, random that that guy, mm-hmm. um, they just like follow their favorite authors, maybe, and then that's it. Mm-hmm. Or they get recommendations from somebody yeah. else. But yeah, most people don't skip genres. It's it's a it's a small percentage of people who are willing to. I mean, even my readers who read fantasy don't read all of my series. You know, even though they're all very closely related yeah. and actually interrelated. Yeah, it's because they're different genres. You know, so I mean, Mosaic Chronicles is pretty much straight up fantasy. Um, Forsaken Prince is teen epic fantasy, and then The Shade Amulet is urban fantasy. And so readers are even picky in between those genres. You yeah, know? that's the subtle shades within fantasy. Yeah. They don't even jump between that. Yeah. That is not to say that you can't do it. It's just, I mean, just put your book out there, right? Yeah. You're not going to, you know, they're not going to translate to your other book likely anyway. Yeah. Okay, so pick pick the genre you want to write in, the one that you are passionate about. I would say with the one that is in the world, it's it's kind of like something you 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 know, agreed to do. It's what you gave your you know you were invited, so you need to tie off that loose end because it has been a few years, and just publish that one. And then, honestly, motivation comes from reader feedback. And at this point, I don't have sometimes don't have that excitement anymore. I I I am passionate about the story, but I'm usually more excited about the next book I'm going to be writing. And so in order to finish the current book, I just remember I have readers that, you know, that are excited, that are waiting. And so I finish the current book so that I can get to the next book. Here's another unpopular option. (laughs) Don't ever publish it. I don't know. That's an option. And don't ever publish in general or don't publish that one. If you're really that leery about publishing it, Mm -hmm. don't. Yeah. If you really aren't that excited about it, just use it as a learning experience and move on. And maybe in later um, years when you are excited, revisit it. What's his name? Brandon. We talk about Brandon Sanson. Mm-hmm. He wrote, what, five epic five six. fantasy novels, and he knew he wasn't going to publish them because he used it as a learning experience. And so they're in his desk somewhere or something mm-hmm. like that, like in a file on his computer. And he pulls them out as like... Every once in a while to like go over them, like use as a reader, like a writing prompt. They did it, yeah. They did it, like how, um, you know, they read like some passages and decided what was wrong with it, like how could you improve it, you know. So he used it like that, but I mean, but it, he has no intention whatsoever of ever publishing it. I mean, he has like half a million words, yeah, somewhere that he's not publishing because mm-hmm. he knew he had to learn before he put something out there that he was proud of. Yeah, exactly. So there's two, uh, I guess there's two options. You either feel good enough about it to publish it, which you should do as soon as you can. Yeah. Or you feel like it's never going to be good enough and you just want to chalk it up to a learning experience and put it aside, put it aside out of your mind entirely and then move on. Because obviously you're excited about this other project. And if there's this other one that's less exciting to you that you don't feel like really represents who you are now and mm-hmm. what you can do, then don't worry about it. Yeah. So it feels kind of painful to do a lot of work that nobody sees, but I mean... How many homework assignments <laughs> no kidding. have you ever done in your life that to get you where you are now that no one cares about your third grade math score? Yeah. Think of it like that. So, and and I was saying, like, just publish the dang book. Let it sit for a while. Don't think about it for six months. That's That would be my choice as well. Um, just put it up there and go through yeah. the whole process. Focus on getting other stories finished and released and then return to it and you know if you promote it every now and then you'll start getting reviews you'll start getting feedback and 
that'll tell you whether it's ready or not. And then if it doesn't work, you unpublish it, rewrite it, publish it again, you know? Yeah, it's not the end of the world. It's, I mean... Honestly, when you're starting out, people won't notice you enough to hate you. (laughs) Yeah. And it feels like such a huge thing until you've been doing it for a while. And then you realize that first book wasn't really that big of a deal, you know, and that would have killed me. I mean, I did have somebody tell me that and it killed me and I just wanted to kill that person too. (laughs) But it's true. Honestly, your first book is not going to be an epic masterpiece. And if, I mean... Most people's aren't. I mean, how many epic masterpieces are first books? How many very complex tasks do you get right on the first try? Yeah. And writing they, a they book don't is let, hugely complex. They don't let doctors do brain surgery for a while. I told you about the doctor in Kenya who had performed eight successful surgeries before they found out he wasn't a doctor yeah. and put him in jail. <laughs> well, he was probably around it, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, eight successful surgeries and he's not a doctor. He's got something in there. Yeah. And then if you decide you want to publish it and you realize that, you know, it's okay. If you haven't had an editor, hire an editor, get the book published in two or three weeks, maybe a month tops, depending on if you have a cover or not. And you can get covers done quickly, quickly. Um, I can crank one out in a couple of days with feedback. Exactly. So anyway, so your ability to know when you're done revising will come with experience as you write and publish more books, because honestly, you're not going to know without reader feedback, not professionals, but people who don't know you and who you have not hired. This is, this is very important. Yeah. Random people are your audience. You want to sell to people you don't know. You're never going to make a go at this if you sell the only people you know. Yeah. It's a good start. It is. You want your mom to like your book. My mom Maybe doesn't not your really mom. like my books. But you know what I mean. <laughs> They're too scary for her. Yeah, you know what I mean. Though, yeah, right? I do. I do. Um, you know, people that are close to you that encourage you, that's good. Yeah. But I don't know what your goal is as an author either, if you just want to publish or if you want to make a living doing it or supplemental income or you just enjoy doing it. Yeah. Um, but if you want to be really successful, really successful. Or I like this term. People like, I want to be widely read, which means you want to sell a lot of books and make money. Yeah, exactly. If you want to be widely read, that means people you don't know are going to be the most largest group of people who are reading your book and you will never talk to them and they will never leave a review and the few that do feel strongly enough to leave a review for some reason how many three-star reviews are there there's almost never any because they don't feel strongly enough about it to bother writing a review mm-hmm. they're usually fours and fives and one and twos i mean not necessarily but you know what i mean yeah good I, books are usually top heavy yeah i mean there's not like Three-star reviews, you know, a thousand three-star reviews, right? No, no, Books no. that are in the three-star range will have much fewer reviews. Ones that have ones and fives are going to have many more reviews because of how, how passionate people are. Yeah. So middle, nothing. Yeah. So I want to, I, I feel like we've beaten this a little bit, but there's a couple more thoughts that I want to say. Um, the key, and he did say, how do you know when you're done revising? I, the key of Kalenia, I got to the point where I was rewriting the sentences and it wasn't making the book stronger. So it was just rewording pointlessly. I have a perspective, artist perspective. When you keep working on it and it keeps getting worse. Yes, that's yes. You're like, oh, and that's not improving it. Like, and then you step back and you're like, did that make it any better? Does people do people want to look at this piece of artwork more than before? Mm-hmm. If the answer is no, you're done. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, let's see. And I do want to make a comment on writer critique groups. They they can be dangerous. Um, and just because I know he mentioned writer critique groups, I will I will give an example. I've been in some really good ones and some really bad ones. I wrote a the first three chapters in a sci-fi um, 
book that I I think has really strong, really good potential, but I focus more on fantasy than I do on fi- sci-fi. It's about a girl who got, um, her parents got kidnapped and they harvested her from her parents and she's been raised as a slave on a distant planet. And it, the first chapter is incredibly powerful emotionally and in depth and, you know, it's just, it's it's strong. And I took it to two different critique groups, one, one after the other. The first critique group had um, very success, successful published authors who'd been doing it for a very long time in it. And they gave really good critiques. They gave great feedback. They left me super excited to continue writing. And the second one, I didn't apply anything with the, that they said. I took the exact same thing to another critique group that had published authors who'd been doing it for a very long time and were successful. And I had completely opposite feedback. They hated it. And they made me completely discouraged. I was so discouraged after that. They were, they were rude. And I had the feeling that some of them just wanted to have something to say, to, to give feedback. And it didn't matter that they just wanted to be heard. And so they nitpicked the story to death. And so I'm very leery of critique groups. They can be very dangerous. I, like I said, some can be really good. Some can be bad. If the feedback is not fitting your tone and your personality, then it's not going to benefit your book. And Nolan, um, feedback on art. I mean, I don't like it. Um, you draw better than I can. Um, these are things that don't help. Yeah. Oh, you're saying from people from, yeah. Like I don't care that I'm drawing, I'm trying and I've studied art for decades. So I hope that I'm better than someone who can only draw a stick figure. Mm -hmm. That's not helpful. That's not good feedback. Yeah. I like it. Isn't good feedback. Have you had feedback that's been damaging? Um, I've had them want things that, I guess the most damaging feedback that I've received is when they wanted to make the cover worse and they did because they didn't understand art and marketing. Uh-huh. And so they're like, I want this over here. I'm like, but that screws up everything. Like the eye doesn't follow the, the thing. composition. Yeah. The composition is going to be all screwed up. Or I want like every character in my book on the cover. I'm like, but then you couldn't see them because we have to make it look good as a thumbnail and it has to look good as a, you know, like if somebody clicks on the thumbnail, it has to look good. I have to make it look good in two sizes. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that's going to mess with this. And, you know, there's too many focal points that, you know, that's sort of thing and then they're like well i want it anyways and so then i had to like you had to do it because you got hired by them but then but then i made a piece of artwork that wasn't good yeah which bites totally and i'm like i can make this better than what you want yeah um so i guess that was painful and one of the reasons why i don't really do it anymore yeah (laughs) is because uh if you're going to commission a cover i guess there's two options you have let them do their job Mm -hmm. or know enough to critique it to make it stronger. To critique it without your emotions being involved. Yes. You're like, yes, exactly. Uh, understand what a book cover needs to be to be successful. For your genre. For your genre. Um, and then then tr- uh, communicate that, that to them professionally. Yeah. All right. So we need to change gears now and get into the actual marketing stuff. Um, and this whole episode is basically going to be... Um, We're going to just talk about basically if your marketing tactics and strategies aren't working, then you change them. You can't expect the same things to work. And so we're not going to be talking a whole lot about a whole bunch of different things in marketing. But so I'm going to set up a a little bit of a story here. I saw one of my author friends posted on Facebook a few days back and I'm not going to give any specific details. We're going to call this person Sally. Okay, so this, so Sally quit her day job four years ago when writing when her book started to take off, and she focused on writing and she was writing full time. She made really good money, but she com- she commented that this year her royalties have gone gone downhill 
significantly and that she has to find a job. She said several times in her post, it's not working for me anymore. And she's only going to be able to publish a book a year instead of two. And I'm going to stop right here and just say, what the crap? (laughs) Are they million word books? Yeah. She's writing full time. If you're writing full time, it means just that you should be able to produce a book every two months, if not every month full-time writers. If and she's experienced, she's not just starting out. I mean, this doesn't apply to people who are brand new. This applies to people who've been doing this for at least a year of writing full-time. Anyway, but that's not the point. So a quote from one of my author friends is, her name is Julie Wright. She said, don't let yourself be the reason you fail. And the problem with my friend's post is the first half was her saying, was giving the hard facts. And the second half was her blaming readers, which it's kind of tacky, honestly. And then also it's not the reader's fault that they're not buying your books. She was saying readers expect free. Yes. Certain readers expect free, but there are readers who always buy books. Amazon makes millions, tens of millions, billions of dollars on books. Yeah. Those are paying customers. Yep. So, okay. So Nolan, why is my author friend failing? Um, because she's not taking responsibility for her failure. I would say the main reason is her output's not high enough. Um, these yeah. these days, um, some authors can get away with. I mean, even like big authors write that much. I mean, good heavens sakes. Yeah, James Patterson. Hello. Yeah, the, I, I mean, mean, he co-writes to get his book output up. Yeah. Um, the name of the game these days really is output. Yeah. I mean, it just is. And and quality quality output. You know, quality output and series. Mm-hmm. Um, So I would say if you're only writing two books a year, you need to up that to four books a year. And then... Yeah, if you put four to six books a year out there, I mean, is she like vacationing the other half of the year or I know. I'm just wondering. I'm like, I don't know. know. what your day looks like. Uh, That sounds like a pretty black schedule to me. I I mean, her kids are all grown up. She's, you know, I'm like, if you're writing full time, if you have the house yourself the whole time your husband's at work or if your husband's retired or whatever, I don't know exactly what her husband's doing, but eight hours is full time. That that's what you should be doing. You should be writing. And I don't even four hours. I don't mean writing eight hours straight because not many people can do that, though I do know a lot of people who can. Uh, but you should be producing five to 10,000 words a day uh, if you're writing full time. And yeah. you can do that in two hours if you're a fast typer. And if you can't type that fast, consider dictating, you know, or consider, you know, spending a little bit more time writing and a little less time on marketing. But that was the other thing. Her marketing tactics, she says, nothing's working for me anymore. And she's not trying anything new. She's not. Oh, well, the market changes. I mean, AMS just changed. Yeah, exactly. So there you go. I mean. So you need to reinvent yourself. Um, If, if your business isn't working, you need to be willing to overhaul your business until you find what makes it work. Cause if you are passionate about writing, if this is what you love doing, then you need to find a way to make it work. And I want to tell a story, another story about an author friend, and I still haven't gotten a text back from him, so I don't have technically, don't have permission to tell who he is. <laughs> but he is a best-selling author. He's got like 100 books out or something like that. I don't remember how many, but he is fantastic. He's a good friend, and he's also one of my favorite authors because he writes really good books. But about a year ago, maybe nine, ten months ago, he announced that he was quitting writing because people weren't buying his books books anymore. And I, as soon as I saw that, I texted him and said, you cannot quit. I'm like, you're doing things wrong. If you are not getting books written, you know, cause if people aren't buying your books, I'm like, your books are 
really, really, they're stellar. And I am a very picky reader. And I was like, you need to like your book covers there. I mean, look at what else is selling in the genres that you're writing and your book covers are not the, at the same level. And, and I didn't put it that bluntly. It took me like four days of texting to get that to him. But he did come back and say that was very harsh feedback and it was very, very deserved and very needed. Uh, what he ended up doing was he bought Photoshop. He was using a different program to do book covers in, but that program was not professional enough. It didn't have the ability to do a lot of things that Photoshop can do. So he bought Photoshop. He relearned how to make covers and, um, and he's now had six book bub features this year, five or six book bub features this year. And that I'm, that is absolutely insane. And it's based on him reinventing his business and, and recognizing that what he was doing wasn't working anymore. And so if, if something, okay, so here's my question. Are you doing the same thing over and over and not seeing results? So, and are you starting to feel insane yet? Because we all know definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. You need to, you need to change something about your business and how you do things to see different results. Anyway, so Nolan, what can authors do to change or to fix when they feel like they're stuck in a rut? That's hard. It is hard. Um, why are you in a rut? I guess that'd be the question I would ask. What 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 kind of rut? Mm-hmm. Like I would say, I mean, any rut. You know, they're they're. I mean, poke your head out and look around sometimes. Mm-hmm. I think See what other what, authors are doing. Because sometimes you get you get um, tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. It's um, so easy to get overwhelmed though when you poke your head out. There's so many different things that everybody else is doing that work and sometimes don't work. I you mean, have to you have to and you have to sift. Yeah. And pick which things you're going to focus on because you can't do everything. Yeah. That's absolutely. One thing you need to realize is that you can't be on every social media platform. You can't advertise on everything no. by yourself. Maybe maybe if you have like 90 assistants. Yeah, but do don't it. hire people to do ads because you lose all your profit generally. It's basically you're hiring someone to make money for nothing, basically. Yeah. Um, that's not necessarily true. But Have your spouse do it. That's what I did. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, if, you, if you're in a rut, just stop for a second honestly because if you're just pushing up against a brick wall don't yeah <laughs> i mean it may and it's gonna hurt because you're gonna be like i'm just trying so hard all the time and yeah. then are you trying at the right thing at all because you can here's the thing we've talked about before people put a lot of effort and they talk about how hard they're working mm-hmm. no one cares yeah i don't true. care how hard you're working mm-hmm. i care about how many books you publish and what the I readers... care about how many finished products you produce and put on Amazon. Yeah. Or wherever. Um, um, authors finish books. We talked about this too. Uh, authors finish books. Mm-hmm. Authors publish books. They don't mm-hmm. just write books and then stick them in a desk. They publish books. Yeah. Well, that's what an author is, is it's something exactly. that's published. Exactly. So if you want to be an author, you have to finish. Mm-hmm. It's just like an... And if you want to continue being an author, you need to, like I said, you need to reinvent yourself. You, you need, need to, to continue be willing to, to, to yes. change things, to make things work. I mean, book covers come in and out of style, honestly. Yeah, colors and yeah, they're, they're... fonts, the styles that are used, whether there's going to be a person on the front, whether it's an illustration or a stock photo, you know, those kinds of things come in and out of style. And 
when we first, we've said this before, when we first started writing, the Kalenia series covers were top notch for what was available at that time. And then last year, they were bottom of the rung. You know, they were garbage. Yeah. Yeah. yeah really they were. Bad. I looked at them. I'm still very fond of them. I still love them. And I still, they're still beautiful to me. But they should have been changed like three years before that. Well, we wanted to do it, but we also we wanted to change the content. And so it took yeah, a, big it a big project. project. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so an- so another quote um, by Daniel Decker is, if it's important to you, you will find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. And so this author friend of mine, she was blaming readers. That was her excuse. Readers aren't buying books anymore. Why would they want to buy your book? She didn't ask that question. Why aren't they buying my books? Why, yeah. why not buy my book? Yep. Yeah, because a lot of readers, a lot of authors have been complaining, complaining that their royalties are going down this year. And guess what? Ours are going up. We are not... We are not having that problem. This summer has been the best summer we've ever had. And I mean, and it's lower than the last, you know, the beginning of the year was because I had a huge book bug promotion, a huge, huge promotion in January. But this, where our royalties are still going up. And so like, oh, we're way out of summer, aren't we? Yeah, it's October. It's October. Wow. I am way off. This pregnancy's messed my brain. Anyway, but like, so if your royalties are going down, then somebody else's are probably going up. It's not that everybody's royalties are going down. And that's not an encouraging thought, but that just means that, you know, take a step back and reevaluate, you know, see where you want to be and what you want to be doing. Don't do things that discourage yourself though. I mean, that's going to be... That was that's the main theme of our podcast. We want people to know that it is possible to be successful as an author. And don't don't allow yourself to get discouraged. If you are if thinking about reinventing yourself is discouraging and hard to swallow right now, then don't worry about it. Focus on writing books. And if you love writing, then focus on writing more. I mean, this is what you do. You're a writer, you know? And so be writing every single day. And if you're like me and you're a project person, then cram writing in and get a book finished in like two weeks, you know? And let's see. Um, yeah. Anyway. So what are your comments on the, on that quote? If not, you'll find an excuse if it's not important to you. And that's true to an extent. It depends on what the rest of your life is like. Yeah. I was going to say like right now, you have a certain amount of like, cause this is extra work that you're taking on for yourself. You need to have space in your life to do extra work. That's Mm -hmm. not going to give you a lot of return for a long time. Yeah. And I'm uh, authors, you know, the ones that are super, super gung ho about this, they sleep five hours a night for two years so that they can get their books written. Yeah. So you have to sacrifice something, you know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you're not doing something that's not hard. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you're not like chilling, watching TV. No. Yeah. Or whatever. And I was like thinking about that. I'm like, if it's important to you, find a way. If not, you'll find an excuse. My excuse is morning sickness. Uh, I still have been writing though. You know, it's not as good as... You wrote as... a whole book in one day. I sure did. It, it was, was a children's, children's book. book, but I did. It was a 6,000 word children's book, but I did. I wrote a whole book in one day last week. I love dictating. Anyway, um, I am, I am plugging along. I am writing less than I did my last pregnancy, but I also have two kids now and I'm, the morning sickness feels like it's worse than it was last time. But so I'm like, that's an excuse and it's an excuse, but Okay, so if you have have the yeah, exactly. If you have the flu all day long, most people who have the flu all day long don't write. (laughs) People have limits. Yeah, I I don't want to say it's okay to take breaks because that sounds like an excuse, but 
it's okay to take breaks. It is. Have yeah. a vacation. Like, are you giving up or do you just need to relax? One of my author friends, um, I don't think Kirsten would mind if I said this, but do you remember Kirsten? Um, through Tristy, she writes for Western Romances. Oh, yes. oh. She writes um, two to three books a month. She writes 13,000 words almost every single day. She takes a full week off every single month and she's still publishing two month, two to three books a month um, or a book every two weeks or a book every three weeks. Anyway, so a she's... Lot. Yeah, a lot. She she like recognizes the value in recharging. Like you have to separate yourself occasionally and regularly from your project, depending so on how writing, hard you're pushing. She's writing 30, 20, 15 to 20 short books a year. Yeah. They're not epic fantasy, but they're books. No. Yeah. Well, Lindsay Broker writes epic fantasy and she writes about 10, 10 to 15 books a month and a year. And is taking three months off a year. Yeah, that's true. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and here's another point. If you if you are only writing every few weeks, you're already vacationing from writing. So, and if you're burned out, then find something else to focus on in a different story and then push yourself to write more. Uh, that's another thing. If like writing more regularly and more often keeps the story fresh and exciting. And if you're taking too much time off, you know, Unless you've completed the project. And taking time off between completed projects is better than in the middle. Yeah, in the middle, it totally derails you. It'll take away all the emotional excitement, all of the, the energy and the push that you have. Yeah, it's not good to flip back and forth too much. And that's pretty much what I've done with Forbidden Knowledge, honestly, because I started it before I had morning sickness, and I was working on it really hard. And since morning sickness, I've written about once a week, sometimes once every other week. And I, I Nolan knows, like, I'm totally lost in the story right now. I'm, I have... I have no idea where I'm going, you know, um, I've lost excitement. So I need to get that recharge and everything, but I think I might need to wait another week or two until I'm feeling better because if last week was an indicator, I might be ending morning sickness soon. Hopefully we'll see anyway. So, okay. So if you're like going back to what I said at the beginning, if your marketing tactics and strategies aren't working, change them. Uh, you can't expect to do the same things. Uh, all the time and have them work because 10 years like do you really expect things to look the same 10 years from now yeah no of course not i mean it could change tomorrow mm -hmm. so exactly just keep that in mind readers open emails differently now than they did when we first started and so just keep your eyes open keep a, a finger on the pulse of the industry and focus on writing writing more often and That'll help with the excitement. And like I said, if you get discouraged, then just go back to writing and then wait until you're ready and then tackle a new project, redefine your business, whatever you need. So what else did Tony get to do? What else did Tony get to, to be, do? He's a Patreon. He got to choose a movie. Oh, yeah. He has requested that we do The the Last Starfighter. Yay! <laughs> Nolan is very excited about that. <laughs> Which we already had. We yeah. already own it. And, I've, and Nolan says I've watched it with him. I do not remember. It didn't emblazon itself upon your not like Kroll being. or Cole Kroll or <laughs> Cole the Conqueror either one yes <laughs> both of those both are of firmly seared in my brain <laughs> pity anyway yeah <laughs> big trouble in China yeah good. the oh, last good. dragon fighter <laughs> no the last dragon the last dragon yeah. <laughs> Uh, the one movie my sister was in, what was that? Dragon Hearts? No, Dragon... Um, Dragon Hunter? Dragon some, Hunter. Something like yeah, that. Yeah, my sister and my two nieces were in that movie, and it is a horrible movie. Not because they're in it, but because it's horrible. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, The Last Starfighter, we're going to do that up and coming. We've got to do so um, undercover soon. And if we have time, maybe we'll do The Last Star Starfighter after that before we do an episode with Kevin um, Throw Mama from the Train. Yes. 
I don't know. We will, like I said, have a short episode this month at one point because we'll be traveling. So, yeah, if any of you have questions, email me at andreatselfpublishedstrong.com. Oh, we're done, right? You're done? Good. I am done. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Where can people find you? In a gun star. In a gun store? It's gun star. Gun star? You don't remember the movie at all. Is that from The Last Starfighter? Yeah. In a gun star. Wow. I don't... No, I don't remember the movie at all. <laughs> He's ashamed. <laughs> I'm not ashamed. My heart's broken. <laughs> <laughs> not appreciating my laughing. <laughs> my my husband is great at stoic expressions. He's kind of cracking a smile right now, but he's he's good at being displeased with me and not cracking a smile, even though I know he's teasing. I'm not teasing. <laughs> yes, you death, are. death blossom. <laughs> nope. Nothing. Wow. Nothing. Okay. <laughs> All right. <sighs> Whatever. Okay, so yes, So Unbroken and The Last Starfighter. So Unbroken? So Undercover. I keep doing that in my brain. So Unbroken. Such an awful title. (laughs) It's like the the Zoe Zamperini, or no, not them. What what is his name? Zamperini is the last name, is it? Yeah, I forget his first name. I do too. Anyway, it's the World War II story. I'm so unbroken. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so yeah, email me at andreatselfpublishedstrong.com and we'll talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.